Hello, I'm Dr. Jonathan Barker, pastor here at Amazing Grace Baptist Church in Mount Airy, North Carolina. I would like to personally thank you for taking out time today to tune in to our preaching podcast. We hope that this message will be a great encouragement to your heart today. It's great. Let's take our Bibles, go to Ephesians tonight, and uh, I want to start talking to you, and this is what we're probably going to study, I know, for at least uh, probably um, five or six of these um, sessions that we do, but Uh, on spiritual warfare and spiritual combat. And I'll tell you a couple different books that I'm reading right now. Um, if you want to buy them, now I don't agree um, with everything in either one of these books. Um, whenever you study, um, you have to learn to be able to eat the meat and throw the bones away um, is what you do. Now, the Word of God, we eat all the meat. There is no bones in the Word of God. Amen. It's just meat. But um, one of the books that I'm um, looking at right now and that I'm reading through, uh, once again, I've read it before, is the devil's tool. Is it the devil's toolbox or Satan's toolbox, Brother Josh? The devil's. I heard somebody. The devil's toolbox um, is one of them that I'm I'm going through right now. And then also there is a book entitled On Spiritual Combat. O-N, on spiritual combat. That's the title of it. And again, I don't agree with, um, um, uh, definitely with the guy's uh, Bible that he's using going through it. I just use my Bible as I go through it and look the verses up in my Bible. But he is actually a war veteran. Um, and he he actually takes um, uh, physical combat from his um, times in the war. He was a trainer also in some of the special forces and he likens it to spiritual warfare and brings some of the same things into it. It's pretty interesting read. So that's a couple different books that I'm going through. If you'll look in those books, you'll find a lot of the things that I'll talk about. Ephesians says this, Ephesians chapter number 6, verse number 10. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He said, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now he's going to tell us the reason we need to be strong and the reason we need the whole armor of God is because of the devil. He goes on to say in verse number 12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. I want to start tonight on spiritual combat or spiritual warfare. And here's what I want to deal with tonight. Recognizing the enemy or identifying the enemy. Um, Matter of fact, this morning I was doing devotions at the sheriff's office and we began to talk about some of this. And one thing that... uh, Uh, we talked about this morning is um, anytime that our sheriff's office is serving what is called a high-risk warrant or a high-risk search warrant, um, they most of the time before they enter that place, uh, they know all about that place. They've had a CI go in it, um, uh, either a CI or either one of our UC narcotics officers has been in it. Um, They know how the house is laid out. Um, They know which rooms is supposed to have guns in it, which rooms normally have kids in it. They know everything that they, everything they can find out, all the intel that they can get, they get. 
And then the, uh, they'll, they'll meet in, in a room and they'll draw that house out. They'll draw the layout of that house out. They'll write what room it is. They'll write what's supposed to be in that room. And they'll study that diagram in a, in a briefing before they actually go out and hit the house. What are they doing? They are recognizing and studying who the enemy is. And if we're going to be in spiritual combat, if we're going to be in spiritual warfare, then we need to know who our enemy is and we need to know something about our enemy. Um, I, I would say that uh, before our troops... Uh, made the attack um, um, in Iraq years ago and, um, and in different places years ago and took out some of the high-risk people years ago that they just didn't wake up one morning and go, hey, I'm going to go to battle with this guy. I'm going to go in. I'm going to get him. I'm going to drag him out. No, they studied it. And, and it's very important for you and I to study spiritual warfare tonight. I thought about this, since Genesis chapter number 3, there has been a battle raging against mankind. All, we can trace it all the way back to Genesis chapter number 3. Now I said this Sunday morning, but let me echo it again real quick. Here's one thing that I said Sunday morning. After God created everything that God created, um, He said it was good. Chapter 2 rolls around and creates mankind. But in chapter 1, the devil didn't attack anything. It was not until mankind was created uh, that the devil attacked anything. And what did the devil attack? He didn't attack the fowls of the air. He didn't attack the fish of the sea. Uh, he didn't attack plant life. He didn't attack the rocks that was on the ground. Uh, he attacked mankind. Why did the devil attack mankind? Because according to the Bible, it was the first and only thing that has ever been created in the image of God or in the likeness of God. We was created in the likeness of God and in the image of God. What did the devil want to do? The devil wanted to destroy God. He wanted to rule over God. He wanted God, and we'll get into that in just a minute and look at that. He wanted God to bow to him. And since God would not do that, you know what he done? He decided, the devil decided to attack mankind which was made in the image of God. So we need to know something about our enemy. The battle started in heaven before man was ever created. The battle that, that, that we battle today, it started in heaven. Way I personally think before some people think that uh, uh, it was in Genesis chapter number 1. Some people think that it started in Genesis chapter number 3. Some people think that that was the fall of Satan, the beginning of the fall of Satan in Genesis chapter number 3. I personally believe that it started before mankind. You cannot avoid this battle tonight. We, we as men can avoid a lot of things, but there is a battle that is raging that we cannot avoid tonight, and that's spiritual warfare. Now that we're saved by the grace of God, there is a battle that's taking place in our life. And um, as we begin to think about this, you're in this spiritual combat whether or not you want to be because the enemy will most definitely come for you, and not only for you, but come for your whole family. There is no escaping the enemy. There is only victory over the enemy through Christ. We cannot defeat the enemy within our own self. Um, uh, within our own self, we will fail. 
And the only victory that we'll have is through the Lord. Satan wishes to deprive us of our lives here on earth and far worse, eternally in heaven. Our evil, eternal foe desires to widow our spouses, orphan our children, and fill our lives with sin, death, and despair. Our hearts, our homes, our families, our nation, even our entire civilization is at stake tonight if we as men... uh, don't step up in the spiritual warfare that we're in and be the men that God would have us to be. I read this today. Edmund Burke made this statement. All that is necessary for the triumph of evil is that good men do nothing. Can I say that to you again tonight? All that is necessary for the triumph of evil is that good men do nothing. Note again what the Bible says in Ephesians 6, 12. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. A lot of times we get confused into thinking that our enemy is each other. Our enemy is not each other tonight. I, I know you may not believe me when I say what I'm fixing to say. Your wife is really not your enemy. And we are really not our wife's enemy. Our children is not our enemy tonight. Can I tell you something? The person that hates your guts the worst is not your enemy tonight. You know who our enemy is tonight? Our enemy is Satan. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood tonight. It's way more than flesh and blood. It's way more than flesh and blood tonight. When we look into this, what does he say? For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness, in high places. I thought about this. We are told, and thus we establish from the very beginning without any doubt or hesitation, that we are in a spiritual battle against supernatural forces of unspeakable evil and depravity. You remember the account, there, matter of fact, two different times in Luke chapter number 8. The first one was uh, uh, Mary Magdalene possessed by devils. And then there was the demonic maniac that was possessed by devils. And I want to tell you something tonight, I, and, and, and I hate studying things like this, but it's necessary. I want to tell you something tonight. Uh, demon possession is as real today as it was in Luke chapter number 8. Demon possession is still real today. I, I, I thought about this. Um, while we understand and accept that the enemy is Satan... Uh, We must also recognize that he regularly uses human beings to execute his plan and to take innocent lives. He regularly uses human beings to execute his plan. How did he use, what did he use to execute his plan in Genesis chapter number 3? He used a serpent to execute his plan. What does he use today to execute his plan? Here's what he uses today. He uses human beings. Let me give you a few things right here. And I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to. And and if we don't get as far as we need to get tonight, we'll pick up next time. Let's think about something tonight. He uses human beings. That's what we're not wrestling against flesh and blood here tonight. It's Satan and humans are allowing Satan to use them. The attack on the World Trade Center on September 11, 2001, with 2,996 dead generally considered the most horrendous terroristic act 
in history. Over 600 massacred, many of them children, in a Lutheran church in Libya in 1990. Possibly the single worst church massacre in modern history. 69 murdered and 120 wounded in Norway in 2011. In, in the most horrendous massacre by a single individual using only a, a firearm. Now we know the firearm didn't kill him. We know the individual did, but understand what I'm saying. 59 murdered by a single person with a firearm uh, in the Las Vegas massacre in 2017. The worst such crime in American history. 59 murdered by uh, a 17-year-old student in Germany in 2009. The worst massacre committed by a juvenile in, in human history. 17 murdered in Germany in 2002 and 17 murdered in, in Florida in 2018. Both crimes committed by a 19-year-old high school dropout. 26 murdered in Newton, Connecticut in 2012. 20 of them first grade students with ages ranging from 5 to 6 years old. 23 murdered at Virginia Tech University in Blacksburg, Virginia in 2007. And 20 murdered in, in Correct College in Russia in 2018. Now here's what every bit of those have in common. A human being done it. A person took innocent lives. That's what every bit of that has in common. A human being done it. Here's something else that it all has in common. Satan was the author of every bit of it. God was not the author of that. So tonight as we think about our enemy, let's think about this. Satan is known for using human beings to carry out his plan. Identifying the enemy allows us to prepare our minds and hearts to overcome the overwhelming fear of deadly encounters with evil spiritually. With evil spiritually. I'm going to tell you something. Spiritual warfare and, 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 and demon, uh, if we're saved tonight, and, and let me just back up and this right. If we're saved tonight, we cannot be possessed by Satan because the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. However, we can be oppressed by Satan. I really, and, and please don't nobody judge me right here, but I really, I really believe in all of my heart a lot of anxiety today. Matter of fact, Max Licato's got a, a great book on anxious for nothing. Um, I've read it numerous times. I'm actually listening to it again right now. And it's dealing with anxiety. That's what it's dealing with, Brother Eric. And here's what he states. According to recent research... America is the most anxious country in the world. America has more depression. America has more anxiety. America, more than any country in the world, and we're the most blessed country in the world. Let me tell you what a lot of it is today. I'm not belittling any of that, but let me tell you what a lot of it is today. It's demonic forces attacking individuals. That's what it is. I remember, I, Brother Brian, I remember numerous times working at the hospital in security. I remember numerous times that people would come in. We would, we would go through everything with the law enforcement agency that brought them in. We would take them into E7 back then. And whenever we would begin to talk to them, man, I have, Brother Mark, seen them switch in, in the blink of an eye. 
completely, their whole demeanor switch, their whole look switch, their eyes, brother Aaron, the way they even look at you switch. Their voices, plural, would switch as voices would begin. Brother Joe, you've been there numerous times and saw, would begin to scream at you. Let me tell you what that is tonight, man. That's demonic beings. That's what that is. That is demonic possession. Let me tell you what the drug world does to the individuals today. It opens their mind to demonic forces that they've never had to deal with. You listen to a man that's, that's high on something. Listen to the way he talks. Listen to the way his voice will change. I'm telling you something. We better recognize who our enemy is tonight. Our enemy's not each other. You may think you're my enemy tonight. And, and, and you may think I'm your enemy tonight. But I promise you we're not enemies tonight. Every bit of it goes back to Satan tonight. Identifying the enemy allows us to prepare our hearts and our minds to be able to overcome this. We do not study the Bible to know only what Satan has done in the past. We study the Bible to be prepared for what Satan will do in the present and in the future. That's what we know what he's done in the past. But can I say something to you? If he done that in the past, he'll do it today. Dr. Howe said this, wherever good is, evil will also be present. Wherever good is, evil will also be present. Let me read you something I read today and found it very interesting. One of the most famous Broadway musicals in history is The Phantom of the Opera. Anybody ever went to see The Phantom of the Opera? Brother Jim has. The Phantom of the Opera. I think it would be very interesting to go see. Anyway, one of the most famous Broadway musicals in history is The Phantom of the Opera. The popular musical has played to more than 140 million people in 35 countries in 166 cities around the world and has been, been performed in 15 different languages. On October the 9th, 1986, the Phantom of the Opera officially opened at Her Majesty's Theater in London, England. There were more than 30 cast members in the original performance, not counting the crew and orchestra. Over the years, there have been thousands of people who have played the same roles first performed on the opening night in 1986. Although there have been thousands of different actors and actresses, they played the same roles that were in the original production. And can I say something to you tonight? Even though there has been thousands and millions that has come down through time, Satan still plays the same thing that he did in Genesis chapter number 3. He's just using different actors and actresses to do it. And I'm going to tell you, we better be aware of who our enemy... What did he use? He used this, and, I, and I'm going to give you some more things about him here in just a second. He used the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's what he used in Genesis number 3. In Matthew chapter number 4, if I'm not mistaken, is where um, Jesus uh, and Satan had their quote-unquote standoff, is what some people say. You know what he used that day? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. 
Matter of fact, every sin that you commit or every sin that you are tempted to commit can fall into one of those three categories, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. When Satan was unable to tempt Jesus in the desert, his anger and hatred was so intense that he began his conspiracy to destroy him. To do so, he would enlist the help, not merely of the demons of hell, but also of other people, just like you and I, if we allow him to. Again, the only way Satan talked to Eve was because the serpent lent his body to Satan to be able to use. Take your Bible if you want to go with me to Isaiah. I want to read you a verse here. Isaiah, and I thought I marked it, but that's Amos. So let me find it real quick. Isaiah chapter number 14. You don't have to turn, but I, I want to read you a couple things right here in Isaiah chapter number 14. Isaiah chapter number 14, the Bible says this. Verse number 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cast down to the ground, which didst weaken the nation? For thou hast said in thine heart, how was he cast down? How was, we know Satan's origin was in heaven. He was created by God and was an angelic being. Here's the way he was cast down. For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also uh, upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell uh, to the sides of the pit. What got Satan cast out of heaven? His pride did. I will do this, I will do this, I will do this, I will do this. Now go with me to Ezekiel chapter number 28. Ezekiel chapter number 28. Just a few pages over if you want to go with me. Ezekiel chapter number 28, and I'm going to start reading verse number 13. The Bible said this again, or verse number 12, Son of man, take up lamentations upon the king of Tyrus and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. He is talking about Satan here. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. I'm not going to take time to read through each one of those. And then he goes on to say, The workmanship of thy uh, tabrets and of the pipes was prepared in thee uh, in the day that thou wast created. Thou art the anointed cherub thou cover, that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wert perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. Who is our enemy tonight? It's Satan. Let's look at a couple of things about him. Number one tonight, he was favored by God. Satan at one time was favored by God. What did he say? How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? That is what Lucifer means, son of the morning. He was beautiful. 
He had an unlimited and direct access to God. Satan had an unlimited and direct access to God. I'm going to tell you something else, and, 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 and I'll, I'll say more about this in just a minute. The angels, that, that third of the angels in heaven that followed Satan out of heaven also had an unlimited access to God. They was at the very throne of God. He was favored by God. He was above all the angels. Uh, tragically, some people uh, who are the most favored are those who are most likely to fail. How many times have you seen a preacher that had God's hand on him and all of a sudden he falls? Let me tell you what happens. Satan begins to get into his life and build him up with pride. He was favored by God. But let me show you something else. He was perfect. Satan was perfect. He goes on to say this, and, and, and I'm not going to go back and read through all the scriptures, but if you'll read them, you'll see this. Thou was perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was created till iniquity was found in thee. Till iniquity was found in thee. Notice how the passage is worded. Of course he was made perfect because God created him. But watch this. The Bible said he was perfect in his ways. He was perfect in his way. I would say it this way. He was a perfectionist at what he done. He was a perfectionist at what he done. In other words, if Satan was going to do it, he was a perfectionist. He was going to do his very best at what he'd done. We read this in the Word of God tonight. If Satan was perfect in his ways, don't you think that without the help of God, Satan has already, already perfected a way to destroy you and your family? He's already perfected a way. How many times? Men, there has been men that stood stood in our pulpit and preached with the power of God on his life when I first took this church was, was a huge influence in my life and he failed to see it. Satan has already perfected a way to destroy you. Let me tell you what scares me more than any, and I'm, I'm being honest. You said God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. Well, I'm just being honest with you. It scares me to death to even study on these things because I, I'm just going to be as real as I can be. The past three days, it seems like all hell has been unleashed on me. You let me tell you what it is. It's Satan trying. He has already perfected a way to destroy our homes. And men, when we think the majority of us sitting in this room tonight's married. When we think that our homes are above the snake line and we think that it can't happen in our homes, I, we just done a podcast, Brother Jonathan and I did. And, and uh, we recorded two different ones and, and, and it's going to continue on. But the first one was on fornication and the second one was on adultery. And we was taught, what is fornication? What is adultery? And fornication, simply put, is a sexual relationship 
with somebody besides your spouse if you're married. So in other words, if you step out on your spouse, then you've committed adultery. And, and fornication is to unmarried people, but adultery. And here's what, here's what was, I'm not going to give you all the statistics, listen to the podcast, but here was one thing that was so staggering about it. Here's one thing that was so staggering about that. That in those statistics, out of 100% of the study that had committed uh, adultery, had been unfaithful to their spouse, 70 of that 100% that said that they had done that, 70% of it was between the ages of 51 and 59 years old. That's when it happened. You see, we've got this mindset that it happens in the early years of marriage. And it does sometimes. But statistics is proving today 70% of it is happening between 51 and 59 years old. We better be careful, man. 51 and 59 years old. When you study and do the math, it's quite possible that that is the age range that David was in when he committed adultery with Bathsheba. You say, preacher, what are you saying tonight? I'm saying Satan was a perfectionist. And he's already perfected a way to destroy our life. Look, he can't have my soul. The devil knows he cannot have my soul. My soul is God's. I'm eternally saved. He can't have that. But you know what he can do? He can destroy my ministry. You know what he can do? He can destroy my home. You know what he can do? He can divide Leslie and I. And I promise you, we're not a perfect home. My kids are not perfect kids. My kids are rebellious half the time. Matter of fact, last night, I, I, I probably should have just took a belt to one of them because she was being so rebellious. And, and, and the, the three kids was acting all right. But Miss Le no, I'm just picking. It was <laughs> because she was so rebellious. The preacher, hear me and hear me. The preacher don't live here and everybody else here. Now, I'm telling you something with Satan. It's a, it's a level battlefield. It's a level playground with Satan. He was perfect in all of his ways. Well, some things we need to know about him. He's probably already perfected a way, brother Stan, to destroy your home. Brother Gavin, you're fixing to get married. Brother, where's he at? There he is, Remington. You're fit. He's already perfected a way that your home won't make it a year. He's already perfected a way. He was favored by God. He was perfect, but... Let me show you something else about it. He was very powerful and persuasive. He was very powerful and persuasive. And the angels which kept not, this is Jude 1, 6, and the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation. He hath reserved an everlasting chains unto darkness under the judgment of the great day in Jude 1, 6. Revelation tells us that he took a third of the angels out of heaven with him. Revelation says that in heaven there's tens, uh, 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. So if it's thousands, that's more than 1,000, so let's just make it two. And if it's thousands of thousands, then let's make 2,000 over there. Let's make that 4,000. And if it's 10,000 times 10,000, 
that's 20,000, so that's 24,000. And a third of 24,000 is around 8,000. He was powerful enough and persuasive enough to pull 8,000 angels off of the throne of God in heaven and carry them into hell. You don't think he won't do something to you? We better recognize who this is and know some things about him tonight. He, I'm telling you, he's persuasive. He's very persuasive. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure you've heard this statement or you have been around a female that is this way. They're very persuasive. Study the word of God. Things that females made men do in the word of God. It's, it's very interesting to study. Me and Brother Jonathan was just talking about that and looking at some of it. And whenever you study it, boy, Samson's whole life was ruined. Why? Because the female was persuasive. Let me tell you what she was doing. She was allowing her body to be used by Satan. He's very persuasive tonight. We better remember that. If he can, and again, I'm going to say this and I'm going to move. If he... If he can pull an angel out of heaven, he can destroy you. If he can pull an angel out of heaven. He had a relationship with God. Here's something else to think about with Satan. He had a relationship with God. Matter of fact, whenever we think about it, we can go to the book of Job and prove that he had a relationship with God even in the book of Job. And probably, not probably, I believe he still does today. The problem with his relationship with God was this. He didn't go to God through the blood of Christ. Therefore, God will condemn him to hell one day. He had, a, because that individual says that they have a relationship with God, don't mean that they're not an instrument of Satan. There's a lot of people that has a head knowledge of God, but their heart is far from them. Matter of fact, the New Testament talks about it. He said, well, did Isaiah, which is Isaiah, prophesy of you saying, you speak well of me with your mouth, but your heart's far from me. Matter of fact, he called them hypocrites. He said, ye hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you. Let me show you one more thing. He was an opportunist. In other words, when he seen an opportunity, he pounced on it. He was an opportunist. The Bible says this, that we are to stand in the evil day, having done all to stand in the evil day. I find it interesting that that word day right there is singular. It's not plural. It's day. It's not in the evil days and having done all. It's in the evil day. You say, preacher, why do you think that's that way? Here's just some markerology, okay? And, and you may have a completely different opinion of it. If you do, that's fine. But I really believe in all of my heart that there's a day in our life that Satan's going to destroy us. And if we don't stand in the evil day, there's going to be a time when we're weak, when we're weak in the flesh, when we're any normal man I'm not going to argue this fact with you, okay? Any normal man, one of his greatest weaknesses is a female. Any normal man. That's his, it's one of his greatest weaknesses. 
That's one of his greatest weaknesses. Now we can say amen, oh me, or whatever. And I believe in all of my heart that the devil has a time that he's going to catch us at an off moment. And that evil day will come in our life. And it's going to be up to us to recognize our enemy, to recognize his tools, to recognize what he does. He's an opportunist, and he's going to jump on us. Satan is still on the rampage today as an opportunist. You know what he done with Eve? He called her, and the first thing he done is he attacked God's word. Yea, hath God said he didn't say God never said that. He said, yeah, yes, God said. He planted that little seed of doubt in her mind. I'll give this to you in closing. It is your moment to decide whether you will be a coward and run in the face of the life taker Satan or if you will be an extension of the hand of God, his son, Jesus, the life giver. Will you not only identify the adversary, but also prepare your heart, mind, and body for battle against the evil one? Will you in the moment of decision choose to act with wisdom, prudence, and courage? This is the challenge that lies at hand for each one of us tonight. It's for each, I've said this before. I want to say it to you again. Daniel didn't make up his mind when he got to Babylon that he wasn't going to bow to the king. Daniel made up his mind way before he ever got to Babylon. Yes, if you wait till temptation comes, if you don't hear nothing else, I say to not hear this. If you wait till temptation comes to make up your mind, you're not going to fall to temptation. You're going to fall to temptation. You ought to make up your mind way before you ever get there. If you wait until that woman attracts you and tempts you to decide you're not going to fall, you're probably going to fall. Our mind's got to be made up way before then. Our mind's got to be made up right now. What are we going to do when the enemy attacks? When I go to bed tonight, I'm going to lock my door. And, and let me back up and rephrase it. Leslie's probably going to lock the door because I'm bad not to check the doors, okay? I've went to bed and woke up in the morning and the door's still wide open. I'm just, you say, well, you crazy. Well, I guess I am. But anyway, Leslie's going to lock the door. And, and I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to already be snoring by the time Leslie locks the door, okay? I'm just going to be honest. When my head hits a pillow, I usually go to sleep for about two hours. I have no problem going to sleep. I have a problem staying asleep. I don't know if it's because I'm getting old or what, but I have a problem staying asleep. I'm going to be out. But if somebody kicks my door down in the middle of the night, I'm not going to have to jump up and run in there and go, will y'all give me just a minute? I got to get ready for your attack. No, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to jump up and within arm's reach in a safe location, I'm going to pull out a 45. And then as I go around the corner of the bed, in arm's reach from right there in a safe location, I'm going to grab a sawed-off shotgun, and the first one's buckshot, the second one's birdshot, and the third one's a slug. And I'm going to tell them, you need to stop, and you need to stop right now.
And then, as I'm probably saying, stop. You can just read the rest of the story. I have already prepared. Are you with me? If I'm in a motel, unless I flew somewhere, and I try not to do that, I've been thinking about this Uganda trip, and I got to thinking another day, well, I'm not going to have no friend in Uganda. <laughs> I probably won't be able to smuggle a Glock on the airplane. If I'm in a motel in a safe location within arm's reach of my hand, and let me tell you what's there, a friend. A friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And beside of the Holy Spirit is another friend that sticketh real. You know what happened not long ago? Brother Maynard was at the beach, and, and, and while he was there, a couple nuts approached him and come up at him. And you know what he done? He had his friend in his pocket. And he ended up having to show his friends, <laughs> plural if you caught that, to get the people to back off of him. Let me tell you the reason the people backed off because he was prepared for the attack. He was prepared for the attack. He was, I'm, public service announcement, you kick a door in on my house, it's lights out, Alice. It's, I'm just telling you. It's lights out, Alice. You say, well, preacher, what if they're not doing nothing to harm you? Why did they kick the door down? Amen goes right there. Okay, we'll do, a, we'll do a, a physical combat next lesson. I'm prepared. Why? Because my family's in there. My girls are in there. My wife's in there. I'm in there. I like me. The other day I was watching Caleb. Man, they jumping them jumps and everything. And I said, boy, that'd be fun right there. It'd be fun right there. And then I got to thinking, Josh... I'm 44 years old. That'd really hurt right there. And you know what? The I told Olivia this. That I like me too good at 44 years old to try to do that. I'm in there. I don't want nobody to get to me. I got a family to raise. I got a church to pastor. We've got a building to build. I, I've got people that looks up to me that I need to mentor and to help along the way. It's the same spiritually tonight. We can't wait till he attacks us to get ready for it. If we wait until he attacks us to get ready, we're in trouble, man. We got to prepare now by recognizing who he is and some of the tools that he uses. I close with this verse. Joshua said, choose you this day whom you'll serve. He goes on to say, whether well, the gods of the Amorites which your father served on the other side of the flood. And then he goes on to say in the closing of that verse, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And I wonder if us as men on the first Wednesday night of September will recognize who our enemy is. It's not each other. It's not our spouse. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. It's the devil tonight. And we recognize some of the things that he does. And I wonder if some of us tonight will just say, you know what, as for me, I'm going to be prepared for the enemy. When he comes, I, I'm done, I promise you. You ever gotten a discussion with your spouse? 
I, I've got in a discussion with my spouse, Brother Robert. Me and Miss Leslie, we've had, we've had some discussions. As a matter of fact, we had a discussion on Monday afternoon. We was away for our anniversary. We had a discussion. And, and, and you know what I come to the conclusion of? It wasn't my fault that we had it. I mean, evidently. Somebody should have said amen right there. And it wasn't her fault that we had it. You know whose fault it was? The devil's. It's the devil's. Every argument that you have, the devil is, is, is what leads to that. The devil is what leads. We know these things. Let's be able to fight him when he comes against us. So preacher, how do we fight him? Well, we put on the whole armor of God. And we're going to begin looking into that as we go forward in depth. What is the armor of God? How do I arm myself for this?